All right, so uh, as I began to think about uh, when we resume the shear, which we are now, uh, a topic to uh, to begin with. So I thought that uh, since uh, tonight is uh, is Yom Atzmut, we're between Yom Azikaron and Yom Atzmut, so maybe it would be nice to do something which is related to Eretz Yisrael, something about Kedushas Eretz Yisrael, something along those lines. And uh, I looked up in one of my Sfarm, I went to, to the index, and I said, hmm, I wonder what I'll find about Eretz Yisrael. And I found that there were uh, a number of pages which were identified as talking about the uh, the specialness of Eretz Israel. So I said, this is perfect. This is the one we're, we're going to do. Uh, and I looked it up, and it turns out, conveniently for me, that it is something which uh, not only is about Eretz Israel, but it's about Sfira Saomer and connecting Pesach to, to Shavuos. So as much as I wanted to do the Eretz Israel part tonight, uh, it looks like if we're going to go through the piece Kaseder in order. So we're going to have to start off with some of the Sphiras Omer stuff tonight, and we probably won't get to the Eretz Yisrael stuff until next week. But it's all part of one big piece, so we're going to get credit for it nonetheless, I hope. Okay, so uh, what we have over here is, so this is from the Sif Sechayim. Sif Sechayim is a Sefer which we had used before. Reb Chaim Friedlander is, uh, is, is the author's name. He was one of the uh, outstanding Talmudim, the outstanding students of Rav Dessler. He uh, contributed very much in publishing Rav Dessler's uh, writings, uh, was the one who compiled and edited many of the things. And then he went on to publish a lot on his own. And uh, posthumously, since uh, he passed away, so they put out a ton of material from him. He was apparently, he gave lots and lots of different issues and whatnot, and was a very uh, prolific writer and speaker and very organized. Uh, so, uh, okay, so we're going to jump into this piece. Hold on, let me get my... I have notes. Okay. So, uh, so Freelander is one of the authors that we will be able to skip around a little bit here and there in order to get the... Uh, the gist of what he's saying without having to read everything uh, inside, uh, especially because with Friedlander, the, the Siv Sechaim, he often quotes at length from others' farm. And uh, we won't necessarily read all of the quotes he has from others' farm. We will rely often on his summary of that Sefer because that gets us to what we want him to be saying uh, without having to read it all inside and spend that time. But he gives this piece. So you see the name of the piece is so Sphira Saomer, the period of time in the calendar in which we find ourselves, brings together, binds together Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim on the one hand, with Kabbalah Satorah, with the acceptance of the Torah, with Shavuos on the other hand. So here he says, So this is the Torah's uh, instruction to go ahead and count Sphira Saomer, to count the Omer. So it says, uh, Refriedlander, the Sefer Achinoch Kosev. So the Sefer Achinoch writes, Ki Iker Tachlis, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, He Kabbalah Torah. And we saw this idea in some of the stuff that we saw before Pesach, that the, the, uh, the Sloan number talked about this in the Siva Shalom, the idea that the purpose of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim wasn't simply freedom from slavery, it wasn't simply the emancipation from the, uh, the, the, the hard labor that we had in Mitzrayim. But rather, it was a means to be able to get to the ultimate destination, which is Kabbalah Satorah. But, he says, mitzvah But the mitzvah of counting the Omer, 
Mikasheres as you see it's designed in Kabbalah's Torah. That's what creates the bridge in order to be able to take us from Yitzias Mitzrayim in the month of Nisan to Kabbalah's Torah, which is in the month of Sivan. So something has to serve as a bridge to connect these two endpoints together, and the bridge which connects these two endpoints together is Sfira Saomer. And then he goes ahead and he has a whole paragraph of quote from the Sefer Achino. And then he goes out and quotes some more from the Sefer Chino. And now we're already at the bottom of the page. We love this. Umavur, and it's clear, that the, the Sefer Achino explains that what we're trying to do over here, the goal is to connect these two events, the two events of Yitzias Mitzrayim and Kabbalah Satorah, the two events of Yitzias Mitzrayim and Kabbalah Satorah, Aydei Sfira. And this is done, as we said, the bridge which is going to connect these two things together is Sfira Saomer. The Sfira Hazu Mara and the counting is demonstrative is a counting towards some, uh, some event which you're really looking towards. So usually, and this is something which they talk about why we count up rather than count down, but for our purpose now, we know that when you're when a an exciting event is taking place, is going to take place in the future, so we very often count down towards that. This many days to the event, this many days, this many weeks, whatever the whatever we're counting towards, but we often count towards that uh, that great uh, that great time. You think about it when you were in uh, in school, counting down to vacation days, to when uh, you know summer vacation is. So some people begin counting that from the first day of school. Some people do it from winter vacation. Some people from spring vacation. But there's always a counting down to this great event called summer vacation. And this is a I'm sure, pretty sure it's universal, cross cultural that everybody goes at and counts down. And for us over here, the countdown is to Kabbalah Satorah. The great event of Kabbalah Satorah. So that is where we are counting. So that's the first thing. Now he says, brings down a fascinating question. He says, So he says that if you think about it, if we're really trying to connect Yitzias Mitzrayim with Kabbalah Satorah, really it would make most sense to begin that countdown from day one of Pesach. Because day one of Pesach is the day that we actually left Mitzrayim. So we don't begin our countdown on the first day. We begin our countdown on the second day of Pesach when we're already out of Mitzrayim. And this is something which uh, troubles the Sefer Achinach, why it is that we begin on day two. So he says, Vim Tishal, this is now a quote from the Sefer Achinach. He says, Vim Tishal, and if you'll ask, Im Kain, Lama Anu Maschilin Osomi Machras why do we begin counting Sfira uh, Saomer, the bridge between the two events of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and Kabbalah Satorah? Why do we start on day two of Pesach? Why do we start on day one of Pesach? Because that's the that's the actual day of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So he says, Hatshuva, the answer is, this is a fast way. I wish we could like go around the, uh, the the room over here and see what people would say they would suggest is the answer to this question, why we begin day two rather than day one. But the Sefer Achinoch, one of the Rishonim, so he writes, Because the first day of Pesach is reserved exclusively to recall the great miracle, which is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. 
So we want to have one theme on that day. We want one day out of the year where we're going to focus exclusively on this tremendous miracle which took place, which we call Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. What's so significant about that? Why do we give that an entire day? Because Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is a sign and a wonder to the fact that HaKash Baruch Hu is the one who created the world. If you remember, we've talked about before the fact that in the Aseris Hadibros, we don't say Anochi Hashem Elkecha that created the heavens and the earth. We say Anochi Hashem Elkecha, I am Hashem your God who took you out of the land of Mitzrayim. So why do we go ahead and mention Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim as the event at which God announces himself? Why not go ahead and uh, go to the earlier, more dramatic event of creation, of Yesh Me'ayin, of the ex nihilo creating something from nothing. That's a much greater miracle than to go ahead and take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. And the answer which many of the uh, the commentators give is the fact that Gosh Baruch Hu wants to reference himself as our God from something that we experienced. So nobody was there at the time of creation to be able to see that God created the heavens and the earth. And therefore, uh, making reference to that really requires a leap of faith because we're relying on somebody's credibility that they're recounting the story to us, but we don't have any evidence of it. But if you go ahead and you reference God's miraculous salvation of the Jewish people in Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, all the miracles and wonders which took place when he took us out of Mitzrayim, so that was something which we as a nation experience, and that's not a matter of faith, that was mad, that's a matter of something which we experience. That's much more powerful, something which you've experienced. In Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim also tells us that not only is God the creator, by virtue of the fact that he went ahead and he overturned the laws of creation. But he's also, we see from the Yitzhiya Sunsraim in the surrounding storyline, the note, the idea that HaKash Baruch Hu oversees what's happening in mankind. He doesn't just let things run on their own. He's very concerned about what's happening. And he's going to watch over. And if there's an oppressive people, so he's going to stand up for the underdog and make sure that they are properly taken care of. And therefore, since we have this one day, which is dedicated exclusively towards Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim and all of the accompanying ideas and themes, so, So, Sefer Chinuch says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided, he made the executive decision, that I don't want to go ahead and be Ma'ariv Simcha B'Simcha, I don't want to go ahead and start intermingling different simchas at the same time. I want one day to be dedicated to Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. We could focus on that, appreciate that, contemplate that, meditate upon that. And then afterwards, we could then begin to create that bridge between Yitzhiya Mitzrayim and Kabbalah Satorah. But I don't want anything to take away from the importance of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. If you get involved in other activities or other thoughts, so then that will diminish, that will detract from how deeply we're able to appreciate Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. And being that Kosh Baruch Hu didn't want to distract us, so therefore, So therefore, Kosh Baruch Hu said, we're not counting, we're not beginning Surah Omer from day one, we're going to start from day two. By day two already, so Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim is already old news, yesterday's news, literally. And being that it's already yesterday's news, so therefore we can already begin to look in the future, and we can say, okay, what's the next destination on our journey? Where are we going after this one? Because we already have Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim under our belt. And, okay, so that's what he says. 
And now we'll jump ahead to his question over here. And he says, he's asking further. He says, Yesh lahavin. So what we need to understand very deeply is, that what is the connection between the first day of Pesach, which, as we mentioned, the purpose of the first day of Pesach is to emphasize the miracle of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, all of the miracles and the wonders which are part of that event and everything that they express and communicate to us. And the next day is the bringing of the Korban Omer. So we know, he mentioned, that we need to create a bridge which is somehow going to go ahead and connect us between Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and Kabbalah Satorah. But within that, the, the specific trigger which the second day, which occurs on the second day of Pesach, which is why we call it Sfiras Omer, is we bring this Korban Omer, a particular Korban which is made of, of a, a certain volume of barley flour. And that's what, in a certain sense, uh, 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 signals the fact that we're going to start counting towards Kabbalah Satora. So why is that? What's the, why is that the Korban which is going to be brought at that time? That uh, uh, that being that the Sefer Chinuch asks the question, that the Sefer Chinuch asks the question, seemingly we should bring the Korban Omer on the first day of Pesach. If we're going to start counting from the first day of Pesach, that means that we will bring the Korban on the first day of Pesach. So So it seems evident that the premise of that question is the fact that there's some sort of connection that it, that brings together Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim and the bringing of the Korban Omer. And now the question is going to be, what exactly is that, uh, that idea which is going to bring together Korban, which is going to bring together Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim and the Korban Omer, where it's such a given by the, uh, uh, by the Sefer Chinuch that, that they are connected with one another, that he can ask the question, why don't we start from day one? Okay. So now this is what he's going to ultimately try and answer, and this is where he begins to now develop his, uh, his theory and his, uh, his philosophy of these things. So he says, He says, if we spend some time thinking about and contemplating and considering the essence of the Korban Omer, what the Korban Omer is all about, which he's going to explain, Navin then we will understand the direct connection that is going to be the common denominator in what links together both the Korban Omer to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So the reason why we're, we're struggling to understand the connection between them, explains the Sif Sechaim, is rooted in the fact that we don't really know what the Korban Omer is about. But if we understood deeply what the Korban Omer is about, then we would see, it would make perfect sense to us why we would go ahead and we would do this specifically on Pesach as opposed to Sukkot or some other time during the year. And he says, So if we're going to go ahead and we're going to explore the meaning of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, so Nakti Mezdivra Chinuch, a lot of uh, playtime for the Sefer Chinuch, he must have paid for advertising today. So he says, we're going to go ahead and we're going to begin with an introduction from the Sefer Chinuch, Binyan Korban Omer is far as what the Korban Omer is. And that's this bold print. This is now a quote from the Sefer Chinuch. So this Korban Omer, 
So the Sefer Chinuch writes, Mishar Shea Mitzvah, at the root of this mitzvah, the core of this mitzvah, so what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to contemplate. Remember, the Korban Omer represents the first grain, which is available this new harvesting season, this new grain season. And we're taking that first stuff, which is the first stuff which is growing, and we're offering it as a Korban in the base of Mikdash. And this is, as we contemplate the great Chesed, the great kindness which Akash Baruch Hu has done for us, in Briosav, with his creation, where year in and year out, generally, he provides grain in the fields that are going to grow, which provide us with sustenance. We're going to have a hard time uh, surviving without grain. This is before it was popular to go ahead and to be gluten-free. So, but back in the day where grain was the essential thing which uh, which people would eat. And therefore, every year when the grain would begin growing once again, so we would be all excited and say, Baruch Hashem, because Baruch has once again provided us with the necessary conditions for the grain to grow so that we have food to be able to support our families. And therefore, as a show of appreciation, for the fact that Kashbrahu has once again blessed us with grain that we could use for nourishment. So therefore, it makes sense that as a show of appreciation, we go ahead and we take some of that grain and we offer it as a korban to Hakarish Baruchu. So that we should be reminded, we should have this sort of like tangible reminder of the great kindness and the goodness which HaKadosh Baruch Hu does for us before we go ahead and enjoy it. So this is like, I don't know if they still do it uh, so much, but uh, back in the day, in all of, uh, you know, almost every kosher restaurant that you would go into, there would be that dollar on the wall behind the cash register. And that dollar, I imagine, was, uh, you know, that was the first uh, dollar which they went ahead and uh, earned in the uh, in the restaurant or whatever. So that's a way of taking that first thing and and, and, and designating it as something special to represent appreciation to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for what, for what has been done. So Sefer Chinuch says that this is also, this is part of the process which we go through uh, in order to uh, in order to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu our appreciation for the fact that there is grain growing and will have sustenance for the coming year. Wouldn't that uh, connect it more with the uh, with the idea of Shavuos rather than Pesach? So Shavuos is a is a later stage. We'll we'll see it. Uh, uh, I think in this piece he's going to get to it. But we'll see that that's a later stage of growth. This one is going to be barley. That one, the Shteha Lechem, the, the the special korban that we bring on Shavuos, is from wheat. And that's also part of a, a progression that we go from uh, barley, which Chazal assumed, the Torah assumes, is really an animal food. Don't think of it in terms of cholent, but just think of it in terms of cheap feed for the animals. And then we go to that, to wheat, which is the uh, which is typically people food. So we're going through this transition from one to the other. It's also part of the bridge, but not yet. Okay, now... Um, and it's also, it's a Jewish holiday, so everything Jewish is going to revolve around food. So there has to be, <laughs> we don't have a yontif which doesn't have some food, which is uh, significant uh, uh, that, uh, that we're partaking of. So at some point, you have to have it there. And then he says, now this is now the Sif Sechayim. He says, 
So he says the importance over here is to recognize and to study and to learn and to appreciate these concepts even before we ever benefit from the from the grain. Uh, everybody's familiar with the concept of, of chadash, chadash and yashan, whether or not the people say, oh, do you, uh, you know, are these rolls, are these cookies yashan, whatever they ask for in shul, whether they want to know if it's yashan or it's a, or it's not yashan, esmas cone, I don't know. So you go ahead and uh, so, uh, so this idea of yashan, so that's rooted in this korban omer, that the new grain which grows this season, so you're not allowed to uh, benefit, you're not allowed to eat that grain until the Korban Omer, the Korban that we're discussing now, that's brought on the second day of Pesach, so that is what takes all of the new grain, Chadash, and makes it into Yashan, makes it into old grain, which is now allowed, permitted for consumption. So that's the significance of that. We don't have a Beis Amikdash nowadays, and in Chutzlar, it's so uh, many people are lenient as far as Chadash is concerned. They're not uh, so concerned about it. But this is something which in the time of the Beis Amikdash, in Eretz Yisrael, even Eretz Yisrael nowadays, so this is something which they kept very careful track of, because you're not allowed to have the new grain until the Korban is brought, or until after Tez Zionism. But we would need to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu's goodness and kindness before we ever go ahead and partake of the grain. And that is to remind us We need constant reminders, and he's got, this is going to be a, a recurring theme within this essay, but he says we need recurring, minder, re- recurring reminders of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's kindness for us because we easily get um, uh, become take for granted all of these wonderful benefits which HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides. Ukamo, and he equates this idea of offering the Korban Omer before we use the new grain. Ukamo The same way that one is not allowed to eat any food without first making a bracha. And it's only after one makes a bracha. And only after one verbalizes and acknowledges that this benefit which I'm about to have, the fruit or the vegetable or the drink or the food or the pizza or whatever it happens to be. So only after one makes a bracha and thereby acknowledges that Kash is behind this goodness, only then can we partake. But before we acknowledge that this comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so then it's actually usher to do so. It's usher to, uh, to, to eat that food or to drink that beverage. In the same line, see, explains, uh, therefore, before the offering of this particular korban, so the new grain is going to be usher. Um... Um, okay, this is okay. Then we're going to skip a little bit over here. Um, then he goes ahead and says that there is an additional idea behind the offering of this korban. So it's not only to serve as a reminder, similar to a brachari shona, of the fact that Kashbrach is behind everything. But rather, he says, it is mitoch she'niya ru'uyin lebracha, v'hech she'may seinu lefanav, tisbarach tevua seinu. He says there's another dimension to this, and that is, he says that 
in order that we should be worthy of a bracha, that our behavior, our, our actions should come before God. So we want to go ahead and offer this korban, because offering the korban is a way of being able to generate uh, bracha, is a way to stimulate bracha to come down from Shemayim in our direction, which is something which is very important for us to be able to do. And he says, In this idea, they're, give, they're bringing the korban omer, actually generates bracha for us. So this is something which the Gemara actually says explicitly. And that is, Amar Kosh Baruch Hu. says, I think it's the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, that Heviu, yeah, Heviu Lefanai Omer Bepesach, bring before me the Korban Omer on Pesach, that's the uh, the barley Korban, Kedei Shetisbarach Lechem Tevua Shebesados. In order that you should be able to generate Bracha, this is a way of being able to draw down from Shemayim Bracha in your direction. So by giving to Hashem, that causes Him to give us more. That's, you know, that was typically the way it was, uh, th- things are seen, is that you give a little bit to, to God, and there's also going to be a recurring theme, and by giving God His due, as it were, so this is going to make us more worthy of his bracha, and that's going to widen the opening of the portal of positive spiritual energy into this world, and that's going to be another outgrowth, another benefit of bringing the Korban Omer. So he says, Omer, zu eitza lebracha Hashem. So what Chazal are effectively telling us is that the bringing of the Korban Omer is a means of being able to generate bracha from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's like a certain, it's a bracha key. So it's a, a key, it's a code to be able to access more bracha by bringing this Korban Omer. And the thought behind this is, it's not like uh, magic. The thought is, it's a very logical uh, thought behind it. And that is, when we recognize that everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that makes us worthy of even more bracha from the grain. And that's the idea. The more we recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu's role, so that more elevated our thinking process becomes, and the more elevated our thinking process becomes, so the more worthy we are of more bracha. So it's positive reinforcement. Acknowledge me, and I'll give you more, and then there's more to acknowledge, and then you get more bracha, and it becomes this, hopefully, it becomes this mitzvah, goreris mitzvah type of thing, that one mitzvah triggers more mitzvahs, that trigger more mitzvahs, and it becomes a cycle which sort of feeds on itself. And he says that, and now he, he, he quotes from the Messiah Susharim, and he says, this is one of the famous ideas of the Messiah Susharim, probably because it's in the first chapter over there, but he says, at least that far people get, he says, Adam, lo nivra elis Hashem, ulahanos meziv shchinaso. So the Sefer, the Messiah uh, Shosham, Lutzato, very famously says that the purpose of mankind's creation, the reason why God created mankind, created an entire universe in order to provide for mankind, what was the ultimate goal? Lis anegal Hashem. For mankind to be able to derive pleasure from God, and to benefit from the shine of the divine presence. So being able to be in the presence of God and the pleasure which is associated with that 
that is why God created the world. So when we talk about God being the ultimate mative, the ultimate one who provides good, and the ultimate chesed, and olam chesed, like David Amalch says in Tehillim, that olam chesed yibaneh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a world with the mida of chesed, with, the, with the, the, the character of chesed, the trait of chesed, the idea behind that was, is that ultimate, the ultimate goal is we should be able to enjoy God's presence. That's, what, that's, that's why he went through all the quote-unquote trouble of creating the universe. And that's what he says, that mataras HaKadosh Baruch Hu that the purpose of God creating the entire universe is to do tov, to be able to provide good for mankind. And therefore, and therefore, when we make ourselves worthy, by doing the will of God and fulfilling his mitzvahs, so when we do that, generally, that's as far as our general conduct is concerned, compliance with God's uh, wishes, and specifically the offering of the Korban HaOmer, so this puts us, this positions us where we become worthy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's blessing. Now, again, you have to keep in mind that in Pirkei Avos, Chazal say that we're not supposed to worship God with the intention to be rewarded. That's certainly not, well, not what we are trying to accomplish in our worship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But nonetheless, it is something which that is uh, 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 positioning ourselves so that we are we can be recipients of that love of Agash Baruch Hu, that is that fulfills God's intent. That is what He wanted out of creation. So when we position ourselves to be able to receive more benefit and whatnot, so that itself is a fulfillment of what Hashem wants. The grimas nachas ruach and it generates satisfaction on God's part. He likes to see, whatever exactly that means, but he likes to see when we are positioning ourselves to become more worthy of bracha and to have more pleasure from his existence. So the more we do in that vein, the more we do in that effort, so the more satisfaction that, that provides to God, because this is what he wants, the talk. And this fulfills his ultimate goal, which is to do good for us. So being that the ultimate, the, his ultimate goal is to do good for us, the more we position ourselves and behave in a way which makes us more worthy of bracha, the more excited HaKadosh Baruch Hu becomes as a result of that. And then the bracha just sort of just it overflows from Shemayim into our direction, and all sorts of good things come our way. Um, okay, well, well, we don't have to read the, the rest of that. And then, so he says that, um, okay, so then he says that, now getting back to his question about the idea of the Korban Omer and the connection between the Korban Omer and Pesach, and why it is that we don't want to overlap those two we want each one to be separate, although the Sefer Chinuch, as he said, from his question, that we should really bring the Korban Omer on the first day of Pesach, that indicates to us that there's a, 
a, a deep connection between these two things of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and the Korban Omer. So now he explains that Yom Rishon Shapesach, Yeshlo Yehud Mishalo, that uh, the first day of Pesach has its own unique character, purpose, goal, function. And that is, that is the day, Bo Yatsanam Mitzrayim. That's the day from which we left Mitzrayim. And that gives it its own character, its own personality. And on that first day that we're commemorating the actual Exodus, there's a lot to do. Matzah, Moror, there's Haroses, there's a Seder, there's Manishtana, there's all sorts of things that we have to do on that first day of Pesach, all revolving around our exclusive focus on Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. That's what's happening in terms of day one. And that is, as we said, the whole purpose of the Haggadah is to allow us to contemplate the miracles of Mitzrayim so that we should be able to appreciate them. But then when we get to the second day of Pesach, after we've had our fill of, uh, of uh, uh, focusing all of our attention, our exclusive attention on Yetzirah Mitzrayim, then we get to the second day then we begin to contemplate a different dimension of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's existence in a different dimension of the dynamics between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and us. And that is, we begin to focus on the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu took us out of Mitzrayim, but if he takes us out of Mitzrayim, it doesn't provide for us, so there's not much of a benefit putting aside the whole Dayenu part of the, of the Haggadah. But putting that aside, almost every time that Klai Yisrael complains in the Midbar, they always say, how could you take us out here and not provide for us? There's not enough food. Are you trying to just kill us? There's nothing for us to drink. Are there no graves in Mitzrayim? All of those complaints are the fact that the common denominator of all of those complaints is this idea that you, Baruch, you took us out of Mitzrayim, you have to provide for us. And if you're not going to provide for us, so what did you get? What, what did you do for us by taking out of Mitzrayim? We were taken care of very bitterly, but at least we had things which, uh, you know, uh, uh, the basics of food and uh, nourishment and shelter in Mitzrayim. And now you're taking us into the wilderness if we have nothing uh, there. So then what's that for? So beginning with the second day of Pesach, we begin to focus our attention on Akash Baruch chasadim, the kindness which he performed, in the sense that he's now providing for us. As we're going to see, he's going to get to the whole idea of the man. That's going to be a major part of this, uh, of this discussion. And he says, and as we said, we have to understand, so we still need to fine-tune and revise exactly what is this connection between Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim on the one hand and the bringing of the Korban Omer on the other hand, which, according to Sefer Chinuch, we should have brought this Korban on the first day of Pesach. Okay, so let's see a Medrash, which will get us going in terms of our understanding of this. And then with this uh, Medrash, so then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pause for, uh, for the week and then we'll pick it up actually next week, not... Uh, going to be two weeks for Tuesday. So we'll be, okay, we'll talk about it after class. He says, So there's another idea which the Korban Omer teaches us, and that is, 
So another function, so not only is the Korban Omer uh, going to be helpful to remind us of the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides and a way of positioning us to be able to receive HaKadosh Baruch Hu's blessing, those two things are certainly true, but there's an added dimension to that, and that is it also reminds us of the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs all of creation. That's what it means, manhig, like nahag in the Eretz Yisrael, is the bus driver. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who's driving the bus of the entire universe. The Chain Amru Chazal. And this is something which is clear in Chazal's Chazal's uh, words. And that is, this is from the Medrash. Am Rabbi Yanai. says, Benog He says, if you look at what happens for by most people in this world, so what happens is, Adam lokeach litra achash So you go to the butcher shop here in Chicago, you go to Romanian, and you pick up a piece of meat. So what happens when you have a piece of meat? So could you go ahead and you eat that piece of meat when you walk out of Romanian? putting aside the, the salami and the hot dogs over here, but a regular piece of meat, which you get from, uh, from a Romanian. So, So there's a lot of effort which goes into bringing that piece of meat, that raw piece of meat, into a state of edible. Remember, we're talking about before you could go to the store, before there was... Um, um, uh, 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 Plumbing. There's a, a indoor plumbing. Before there was indoor plumbing to be able to get water. Before there was a stovetop, whether electric or gas, which you could go ahead and you could use to uh, to cook. And before, if you wanted spices, that you could just reach into your spice cabinet and pull out spices that you already bought. If you're going to go ahead and you're going to make a pastrami or something, so there's an enormous amount of effort which would go into the preparation just to be able to start cooking that pastrami in the first place. Because if you're going to make a fire, that means somebody's got to go to the forest and chop down trees. And you have to be able to make a fire. You have to get a fire from somebody. You have to make it. It's a whole ASIC. It's not something which is a simple matter to go ahead and cook some food. And, but what happens? So if we make something which is a relatively straightforward type of food, which is a piece of meat, and if you think about it, there was an enormous amount of effort that went into that. And yet, amazingly, Vabrios Yishenim Amitoseim, we go to sleep at night. What happens while we're sleeping at night? HaKadosh Baruch Hu meishiv ruchos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes it a little windy outside. Umala ananim. And with the wind comes clouds. Umegadot tzmachim. And then the rain falls. Umegadot tzmachim. And that causes the plants to grow. Umedashen esaperos. And it causes the fruit to mature and to ripen and to also grow in size. And so we have all these things which the Kodesh Baruch Hu does. So who does all of the work in order that that apple, which you're going to go ahead and pick up from the uh, the store, from the fruit store, the vegetable store. So all that effort which went into the uh, to that apple. So who's the one who did all of that? It's by and large the Kodesh Baruch Hu's doing. Mr. Apple Howler, they don't really do so much. They own the trees. They may prune the trees, but they can't provide ultimately the sunshine and the water which is necessary for the fruit to actually grow. The only one who's providing the actual uh, nourishment, the actual raw materials, which allows the uh, the, uh, the the apple to grow, is Akash Baruch Hu. He made the dirt, he provides the sunlight, and he uh, provides the, uh, the the moisture. And what do we show to Akash Baruch Hu? Here we are complaining about how expensive Pesach is and how expensive you know every uh, you know the food prices are going through the roof or whatever. And uh, we're upset about how much it costs. 
And what do we give to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all of his effort in bringing the food to our table? They know sin lo, el omer. The only thing we give HaKadosh Baruch Hu is we take one omer, that's which is a volume of grain, and that's what we pay HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's remained constant. It's like price control. So if there's price control as far as how much it's going to cost, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, all I want is that one omer. And he says, v'hadu and that's what the Pasuk means when it says, that I want you to go ahead and bring this Korban Omer, the first of your harvestings, you have to bring that to the Kohen. So here we see this amazing idea how, how what a vital role HaKadosh Baruch Hu plays in providing us with the basic uh, uh, food which we have, which we use for nourishment. Vaod, and furthermore, we say, Amr Blavi, or Blavi says, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to translate all of these, but he says, harashta. So he's talking to the farmer over here. So you, Mr. Farmer, or you, Mrs. Farmer, so you went ahead and you plowed. Shkayach. Vizarata. And then you put seeds in the ground. Shkayach. Vyadarta. And then you go ahead and you hoe. You dig around those seeds or the plant which is growing to make sure that the dirt is loose so that the water should be able to get in. Shkoach. Vikasachta. And sometimes you went ahead and you covered the roots when they're supposed to be covered. Shkoach. Vikatsarta, then you went ahead and you harvested all of that grain. Shkoyach. Vamarta, then you have to go ahead and you have to make sheaves because grain, which is growing in the field, you're not going to be able to do much with that. You have to take that back for threshing. So that has to be bundled up. Shkoyach, you did that too. Vidashta, and then you went ahead and you ground up that grain. You extracted it from the ear. And Vasita Tvua Begargin. And you went ahead and eventually you pulled the kernel of wheat or you pulled the kernel of barley out of the uh, out of the ear. And now you've got something which is usable. So let's say that there was 10 steps along the way. So you as Mr. or Mrs. or Rabbi or Rabbitson, uh, you went ahead and you did a lot of work to go ahead and get the to get your hands on this grain. And you want a big yashikach because of all of that effort, all of the times that you woke up early in the morning and you were sweaty and filthy and out there in the rain and all of your great efforts. We'll give you shishi this week at, uh, by, uh, by Kriya Satara. But, you know what? But in the event that Baruch Hu doesn't provide you with just a little bit of wind so that when you're winnowing, you'll be able to separate out the grain from the chaff. If you don't do that, if God doesn't do that, then you're eating pumpernickel your whole life. And that's something which, for the non-pubernical people, so that's something which is certainly not uh, is not going to be uh, satisfying. So we see that you could put in all of this great effort, but without HaKash Baruch Hu's contribution, it's just not happening. There's no way, no how, that you're going to have any of these foods without HaKash Baruch Hu playing a very active role. And he says, ultimately, all you guys give me is this idea of this reward or sort of like payment for the wind which I provide. But the truth is that Kosh really is the one who is behind this entirely. And none of this sequence and none of this process will work unless Kosh wills that to be. Because at, at, at any one of those stages, everything could fall apart and you can end up with nothing. And this is something which uh, he says that um, and this Medrash is teaching us 
even though we may work really, really hard, a lot of effort to go ahead and to do Hashem's mitzvahs and to fulfill His will, so all of that effort is nothing compared to what Kosh Baruch is providing for us. So we may think that we're working so hard and we're trying so hard and it's such an effort in all of that. And that may be true. From our perspective, it's true. But at the end of the day, none of this is actually going to work unless the Baruch Hu wants it to work. And he is the one who's really behind everything. And he says, uh, And this also requires effort on our part. That as much as we're trying uh, in putting an effort to do the mitzvahs, so it really, uh, compared to what HaKash Baruch Hu is providing for us, it really pales in comparison. It's almost nothing. And therefore, we'll just finish off this paragraph. Uh, he says that Ikra Kavasa HaOmer. So now from this perspective, this latest idea which he's presenting, so that tells us that the bringing of the Korban Omer, the purpose is, Lisbonin, is to contemplate and meditate and to think about, that everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to be able to acknowledge and recognize his role in all of those things which happen in nature. Nature, which we often take for granted, the sun should come out eventually, and therefore, if the sun comes out, that's going to allow things to grow. It's got to rain eventually. Chicago seems like it's every day that it's uh, eventually, but it's going to rain uh, uh, often enough that in order for things to grow, because if it doesn't, if it doesn't, so then there's a uh, big trouble. And af even the rain, gvura Hashem heima. So this is considered to be one of the great powers of God. Why is rain considered to be such a such a great power of God? That is, because without that rain, nothing is grown. Nothing in nature is going to grow without, uh, without rain. And that's the great power that Gash Baruch Hu gives that potential energy and that potential growth uh, hormone or that growth uh, catalyst to everything which exists in creation. And what does Gash Baruch Hu want? in sort of like payment for the fact that he is providing the main things for us to be able to, uh, to, uh, to be able to enjoy his world. All he wants is, He just wants us to acknowledge that everything which exists is a miracle which comes from him. Just say thank you. All you need to do is TYH, right? Thank you, Hashem. So all HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants at the end of the day is that we should recognize that he is the one who's behind it, and all of the benefits and all of the things that we have ultimately come from him. And if at the end of the day we recognize that and we acknowledge that, so then it was a day well spent, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu has that satisfaction that he's getting closer to achieving the goal of the world recognizing his presence uh, in the in the universe. In the Korban Omer, that's one of the mitzvahs which is specifically and directly designed in order to bring us to that uh, that state of mind. So this is something which is, uh, so that's the idea behind the Korban Omer. And now in two weeks, I don't even have that calendar, two weeks that will be the ninth. So we meet next time on Tuesday on the ninth. Give us stop to share, hold on. So no class on the second? So no class on the second. I will be in New York, probably having dinner with 
um, Daniil and Naomi <laughs> nice. Dur during class time. Um, so it's a rare opportunity to be able to go uh, to be able to go by them. So uh, be there for uh, for a night. Uh, so yeah. So next Tuesday we're off. So we'll meet again on Tuesday night. So Thursday we're on this week, and then next Thursday we're on. I guess that would be the eleventh. But on Tuesday we will yeah. uh, we'll be off. No, the fourth. The fourth we're on. Well, whatever the dates are. The fourth one. Yeah. Well, this week we're on. Yeah. And the fourth one, right? Then the fourth one, correct? Okay. All right. Thank you, Rabbi. What time is Thursday this year? Uh, same time as tonight. Eight twenty-five. On nine fifteen our time. Oh, eight fifteen. Eight fifteen. Yeah. This Thursday, nine fifteen your uh, nine fifteen your time. Yeah. yeah. Thanks.